Hello, welcome to Building Blocks. I am your host, Pastor Jeremy Varner. I'm Allison. We welcome you back to our series. We're focusing on building blocks of a biblical marriage. And so we've been talking, this is our third installment, third episode, and uh, today it's Easter. And so happy Easter, or as we like to say, happy Resurrection Sunday. Uh, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. You know, Allison, I got to thinking about coming into this episode, this show, um, sort of thinking back on Easter. I don't know how it was at your house, but uh, growing up as a kid, I have some fond memories, actually has some funny pictures um, uh, of when I was a child. And I didn't grow up in a practicing Christian home. Uh, okay, we uh, we might go to church occasionally, and if it, if we did, it was uh, maybe on uh, perhaps Christmas or a uh, special Christmas service or an Easter service, but very rarely. But I remember as a kid, I looked forward to Easter morning because I would get a basket full of goodies. And uh, I remember my brother and I in our little uh, onesie pajamas uh, would slide on into the living room and man, there it was, those wonderful jellies, uh, those little jelly beans, uh, those peeps. Yeah, I gotta have the peeps. Gotta have the peeps. All my peep, hater, my peep haters out there, uh, you can just probably go ahead and shut it down right now because uh, I'm a peep lover. Yep, haters I love my gonna peeps. hate. Haters gonna hate, but haters I love my hate. peeps. But I remember as a kid, it was so much fun to get those baskets, and inside were chocolates and just all kinds of stuff. And and uh, for those that don't know my mom, my mom definitely, when it comes to uh, getting gifts for her children, uh, she did not spare when it came to good gifts. And I just remember, man, that was an exciting time. Again, not growing up in a Christian home, uh, per se, that was something that I looked forward to and I was excited about. There was something about Easter that just generated uh, sort of a, a, a kick in your step, a spark, a, a spring to life, if you will. How about you? What about you? What was your traditions like growing up? What was something you looked forward to on Easter, uh, Christmas? What were some things? Yeah. Well, we did go to church Okay. constantly. I mean, it was every time the doors were open, we were there Um so um, Easter, though, was no different, you know, somewhat than your home as far as we, I, I'm an only child, but, you know, that we got the Easter basket and all the goodies and things, but we did know, you know, it the was reason all about for the, the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we did too. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, there was oftentimes the, the talk of uh, Jesus and the reason that we celebrate, Um but what was the, the attitude like uh, as far as surrounding that Easter morning in your home? What, what was sort of the feel of the day? Yeah, it was different. Okay. It was different because we would typically go to a sunrise service mm. um, or just, you know, it was a special outfit you had for that day. It was just different. Okay. You know, it, was a, it was a special, you know, you could tell it was, it was different. Certainly. And uh, I think those are the graces of God, even in an unbelieving world. Uh, where many folks enter into that overflow of grace that comes to the people of God because of this time of year. It marks our calendar to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it got me thinking how the culture has influenced Easter. You mentioned a little while ago uh, you would put on special outfits. Even we got that too. You know, We weren't necessarily getting dressed to go to church, 
but I could always count on some kind of special outfit around that time of year, uh, spring clothes, you know, mom taking a shopping and getting some new outfits. Uh, and I know uh, even now, a lot of times on sunrise service or Easter Sunday, folks will come into the church and, and they're sporting their, mm-hmm. you know, new outfits, their fancy hats. Yep. You know, a lot of times folks will come in and it's a good picture Sunday and everybody's dressed, you know, to mm-hmm. the T. Uh, again, not trying to knock those things, but isn't it interesting how certain cultural things have crept in to the worship of such a special Sunday that aren't necessarily grounded in scriptural authority, uh, but they've become a part of our Easter celebration. I, I mentioned the Easter baskets, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you think about how even the world um, recognizes something different, but the enemy of our soul tries to hijack the day so that we lose sight of what it's really about. Yeah. Uh, again, you'll see the commercials and you'll hear the talk of the Easter bunny. Uh, and we know it has nothing to do with the bunny. It has everything to do with the lamb. But it made me think, what are some things that happen in the culture that have crept in and in a similar sense, try to take away the meaning of marriage. And so I wanna talk about that in today's episode. And I want us to think about some things that have invaded the home uh, that are perhaps uh, cultural understandings and has sort of become the norm of our marriages. Uh, So for example, you know, when you watch television nowadays, without a fail, you're going to see um, any type of program that's around the family, uh, the mom, the dad, the children. Typically, Allison, how's the father, the husband portrayed in such shows? Yeah, it's like the idiot. Yeah. You know, the bumbling guy who can't, who don't have his junk together. Mm-hmm. The mom is the nagger or the one that runs the show, the smart one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it, different. It, it's different. It paints a narrative. It tells a yeah. story. And the story's not a real good one. It seeks to undermine God's ordained authority of the home, uh, which is the husband, the dad, uh, the father. And even with the parental authority, as you mentioned, oftentimes the the attitude of the children is that of a, you know, sassy, uh, rebellious, uh, which is often the teenage years. But why is that the case? I believe it's because, again, the culture has fed that and it's become the expectation. It's become the norm. And so, uh, again, as we think about what are some other things that have affected marriage from our culture? Um, I think probably one of the biggest ones um, would be in the area of how we come to know our future spouse. Talk okay. about that. Okay, dating. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. What about dating? Oh, you sound like one of those uh, you kiss dating goodbyes kind of people, huh? <laughs> yeah. So talk about that. What, what, what's wrong with dating? Isn't that how you're going to get to know someone? Yeah. That's a debatable <laughs> subject okay. for sure. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I know we personally have taught our kids that every date is a possible mate. Okay. So what do you mean by that? A purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not just frivolous, you know, um, I don't know, fun. I mean, okay. obviously it's going to be fun. Sure. But you know what I'm saying? It's, it's 
it's getting to know somebody for the purpose of marriage. Well, I'm not ready to get married. I'm, I'm 16. Yeah, then probably shouldn't date. Okay. <laughs> and well, and just because, uh, speaking as a female, right? You know, there were many times that, you know, you, um, you know, you have your heart set on this person, mm. and you've given a, a piece of your heart away. Okay. That my husband could never get. Okay. You know, because I've already given that part away. So. That would truly be my advice that, you know, just if you're not ready to get married, you do not even need to waste your time in hmm. even looking. You need to be the person that God wants you to be. Focus on that instead of looking for fulfillment in another relationship that okay. you're not ready for. Okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly, that you're saying that unless you're unless your heart's prepared unless you are really looking to move towards yeah. marriage then perhaps uh, giving of yourself to another in emotions of your heart of your time in in focus uh, in, in in that intimate uh, you know just just getting to know one another type yeah. of way that you may be better off to hold off on that until you're at a, a, a place uh, in your in your walk where you're ready for that. Is that, that correct? That sound fair? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, look, if you're going to buy a car, you need to test drive it first, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't just walk on the lot and buy one, right? When you're ready to buy one, is that how it works? Well, I definitely think it's important that you don't really test drive anything. Very true. Probably not the best analogy right there. Uh, Let's put the brakes the on. Analogy. Pull the emergency uh. brake. <laughs> I would agree. Um, but, but that's the world talk. That's the totally, cultural attitude totally. of the world that says yeah. that. Yeah. And so, again, we want to remind our viewers that our advice is that of a biblical advice. It's not something that uh, we expect uh, someone watching who maybe is not a non who's not a believer yeah. to really understand or gravitate to this. But even within Christendom, there's there are many who would disagree oh, with yeah. this approach and this this attitude uh, towards dating. Part of, I, I think, the problem also is that is a cultural mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, do your own study. Go back and look uh, in history. First off, the category of a teenager wasn't a category until after the 1940s. All right? Typically, you would be raised in a home and you would be a part of that home and work in that home, uh, oftentimes an agricultural society until the Industrial Revolution, you know, different things start coming on the scene. Uh, but usually the children were a part of that family unit and they would not venture out. There became this subcategory, uh, again, in the 40s, of this thing known as the teenager. And I think from that stemmed a lot of current practices that's just a part of normal day life. These are those traditions uh, that we sort of observe without really stopping and thinking about why we observe them. Um, Again, when we think about scriptural understanding, um, we look at, for example, Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Numbers, Numbers 30. Okay. Uh, We know that in the Old Testament, we see a patriarchal system, which is a bad word today. (laughs) Don't you say that patriarchal system. Uh, That's liable to set some liberal on edge, and especially some feminists. 
uh, may push them right to canceling our show before we get started, Allison. <laughs> but, uh, again, our final authority is thus saith the Lord, not thus saith your culture. And so today we're talking about things that have influenced us, that influence marriage, that perhaps push in from the culture. Just like as we started the show, the differing Easter traditions that maybe really don't have much to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, not necessarily, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater to say that all these things are bad, therefore they're to be forbidden. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that perhaps if you and your spouse met through dating that somehow that was wrong. That's not what we're saying. But I believe maturity is not decided on right or wrong. I think that's the shallow end of the swimming pool. Right? That's the kiddie pool. We need to get out of the kiddie pool of Christianity and get into the deep end. And I think maturity in the home of a Christian or in the life of a Christian is the difference between good, better, and best. We should be desiring, as a married couple, uh, teaching our children uh, as well, um, what's good, what's better, what's best. And uh, obviously the biblical authority that governs our home, our life, uh, would seek us, would, would cause us to want to seek after uh, that grace and knowledge from Christ, to know uh, how we might be uh, more mature in our walk and our decisions and discernment. Yeah. And Thoughts that's on that, that. Yeah, and that's that sanctification, you know, that clearly, you know, you and I were not, No. you know, we didn't have you know, the same beliefs somewhat. Right. You know, we have grown, you know, in 24 years, I would like to think we've grown a little bit. Yes. You know, and let me time you there. Those watching that knew us in Bible college, (laughs) when we were dating, (laughs) trust me when I say what she said is true. (laughs) We have grown. Yeah. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully people know that. Um, But, you know, I look at, even, you know, I was telling somebody this earlier today, my own parents, just what tremendous growth, mm. how cool it is to see your parents growing in the knowledge of Christ. And I really pray yeah. that my kids say the same thing about me. Oh, right. I watched my mom and dad grow, you know, in maturity. Yes. I hope we've grown a little bit since they were little. Certainly. You know, and we've grown closer to the Lord. Yeah, and I think that's just it. As long as we're allowing the Word of God to guide us in that growth, that is sanctification. Yeah. That is what God desires to do in us and through us. And so I don't, you know, maybe somebody's out there listening, they're watching, and they're thinking, man, I, yeah, I, I don't know about this. seems a little out there. Yeah. Um, again, just let the Spirit of God lead you. Let the Word of God lead you in your sanctification. Uh, some people say, well, yeah, but you guys dated. Isn't that a bit hypocritical? What would you say to that? Yeah. Why is that not hypocritical? If we're if we dated, but yet we're going to teach our kids to, uh, you know, be careful of this mm-hmm. cultural trend called dating. Yeah. Why is yeah. that not hypocritical? Learn from my mistake. Yeah. You know, I I did a lot of dumb things. You mm-hmm. did a lot of dumb things. Thanks more for than pointing me. that out. Yes. <laughs> I'm just. Yes. Kidding. This, this is true. <laughs> a lot more. So yeah, just learn. Don't do what we did. <laughs> yeah. Learn yeah. from our mistakes. Yeah. yeah. I've often yeah. said. That if I run into a concrete wall, head first, without a helmet, that's pretty stupid. And I look at you and I say, you know what? That really was dumb. 
and that really hurt. You would agree that was pretty stupid. But if you go and do what I just did after I told you, that's even dumber. <laughs> and yet this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Oftentimes, uh, we as adults, we've lived through some things and we have some experiential knowledge. And we look back and we say, you know what, that was really dumb. We shouldn't have done that. Um, true story, not one of my finer moments. Uh, but I remember when we were dating in college and, and speaking of immaturity and I got to set the stage you got to understand all right because this is really the heart behind it all right this was a selfish heart it was a foolish heart it was a dumb heart uh, but I remember I had just gotten some really cool pants that were she knows where I'm going some of you watching know where I'm going why is he telling that yeah. story because yeah. we don't plan this y'all. no we don't this, this is, is just this is a conversation this, this is a conversation I don't know what Shoot he's going to say so go oh, you ahead you know what I'm going to say <laughs> I do now so I had these cool pants these were these like uh, I wouldn't call them sweatpants but they were like a, a basketball windbreaker type of pants and it was in the 90s they had just come out with these cool buttons that go all the way down the side of your pants legs and I thought, man, when am I going to use this opportunity? <laughs> and then the moment hit. We oh, had, uh, we were on campus at college, and I'd ask Allison, I think, to, to go get some lunch or something. She would have gone with one of her friends to pick up some lunch for us and some friends, and we'd come back. And, and she came back, and instead of, I think, uh, Wendy's, you'd gotten McDonald's. Or something of that like that. Maybe I'm getting something. the, the place. It was something it was, fast food it was related. It opposite of what I had <laughs> hoped for. It was opposite of what I asked for. And I was longing for that certain type of fast food. Now, you know, I think the moral of this story, probably if we just go with God's chicken, had we gone That's with true. Chick-fil-A, this probably That's never would have happened. But anyway, yeah. I remember you came back and here was my moment. <laughs> You were fussing with me because I guess I was, again, being selfish that I didn't get what I wanted. And you were trying to give me this good lecture on being happy for what I got. And I remember in that moment in front of an audience of seven <laughs> of our friends, I grabbed those stretchy pants and ripped them completely off. Now, I had basketball shorts. <laughs> On underneath, right? Yeah, this thank is a family you for the show, right? And again, in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, when am I going to get to like really utilize these buttons on these pants? And I utilized them, and they came right off. And I remember saying, you know what? You want to wear the pants in the family here? Wear them, and yep. threw them at you. Yep, you did. Not one of my finer <laughs> moments. By the way, this is a good, good point right here. Segue to say confession is good for the soul. <laughs> Asking forgiveness is also good for the soul, which I did, both of those, uh, very soon, shortly thereafter. But anyway, again, we've done some dumb things. That doesn't mean I want my kids to do those dumb things, mm -hmm. right? I won't ask you to confess any of your dumb stories, <laughs> okay? I'm sure there will be plenty come out it of just, it. Yeah, well, no, uh, probably not because, again, uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. So here we are, Numbers 30. We find ourselves in Numbers 30. And I want us to listen to this. This is, uh, again, in regards to vows. Now, when we get married, we make vows one to another. And 
again, as you mentioned a little earlier, we give a piece of ourselves away when we date. And so we want to be careful with, uh, again, our words and how we choose to commit to one another, uh, whether it be, again, an emotional pre-state of uh, betrothal, because, again, that's what would have been in picture here, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. Again, not the concept of dating, but uh, a betrothal period, right? We know in the in the New Testament, again, uh, the life of Christ. We know Joseph, before Christ comes on the scene with Joseph and Mary, they're in a betrothal period. Uh, she comes up pregnant, right? The Holy Spirit of God has moved upon her. The Christ is now uh, inside of her. And uh, we even see in the account that Joseph is ready to put her away, but he doesn't want to disgrace her. And so, uh, again, there's some there's some trouble going on in his heart in that moment, mm-hmm. and the, we know the story. The angel appears, and uh, again, this is she is uh, she is with child. Uh, this is the Christ, and he sets his heart at ease. Well, there's some things if we're not careful, we miss in that story. So we go back to Numbers 30 to kind of get some groundwork as to what all this has to do with anything. So let's take a look. Verse uh, chapter 30, verse one. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel. Now, hold up. Time out. Who's he talking to, Allison? Israel. Specifically in the text. Look closely. Mm -hmm. Who did he call together? The heads of the tribe. The heads of the tribe. So that was all the women, I guess, there. Mm. Was it the children? I don't think so. The teenagers. I don't think so. Oh, see, you've already (laughs) lost our audience, Allison. You chauvinist. (laughs) But here again, we may not like uh, what the scriptures have to say, but this is what the scriptures say. Well, that was a patriarchal society. We're not in a patriarchal society. Someone may be thinking out there. In that tone of voice. Probably. <laughs> Actually, no, it's probably more of a, it's probably more of a, uh, there's a patriarchal society. Thank you for picking on the men that time. You moron. <laughs> Probably oh, more like that too. All right, so Moses is speaking to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath uh, to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself, and her father holds his peace, then all her vows shall stand. And every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears... Then none of her vows, nor her agreements, by which she has bound herself, shall stand. And the Lord will release her, because her father overruled her. If indeed she takes a husband, while bound by her vows, or by a rash utterance, from her lips by which she bound herself, and her husband hears it, and makes no response to her on the day that he hears, then her vows shall stand, and her agreements by which she bound herself shall stand." But if her husband overrules her on that day that he hears it, he shall make void her vow which she took and what she uttered with her lips by which she bound herself, and the Lord will release her. Okay, Allison, you're a smart lady. 
other than marrying me after that boneheaded illustration I gave a while ago. Thank you, by the way, for still choosing to marry me. You're welcome. What is this text conveying in principle? What is the point in this? What do we see reiterated three times so far in this text? Yeah, keeping the vow. And that also, if she is under her dad's roof, okay, and she makes the vow and the dad says no, well, then the dad has responsibility. Has a responsibility and God's going to forgive her. And the same with her husband. If okay. she makes a vow and her husband doesn't agree okay. or adhere to it. How does this speak to marriage? How does this speak to her home? How does this mm-hmm. speak to what we've talked about already in our show? Yeah, the final say is with the head of the home. Okay. And why is this important? Why does this even matter? I mean, uh, again, what is this establishing? What is this saying? This is because, you know, this is a different culture. We live in 2023. This isn't the culture anymore. We're in the we're in the culture of equality, right? We we, we talked about some of this in our shows. Yeah. So we just need to cut this out, throw this out. This is outdated. This is archaic. This is the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We don't need that anymore. Is that is that true? No. It's Why not? Because Christ came to fulfill the law, not get a not get a, do away with it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean that standard is still the same. Okay. Whether we like it or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and again. Uh, I know, I recognize that a lot of times folks listening to this, and, and I'm being a bit sarcastic, coming across, sometimes that can be translated condescending, and that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, what I am trying to do is point out the foolishness of cultural influence. The foolishness of cultural influence and how it's impacted believers because most, again, our audience is watching this. I, I would venture to guess 95% of them are believers. And yet they would have a problem with what, what I'm saying, with this type of conversation. And as a dad of three daughters and a son, if there's one thing God has been teaching me in this stage of life, and looking back in hindsight through some of our errors, I'm beginning to understand that God's way is better than my own understanding, and I need to trust Him. And whether or not, um, again, uh, I, I think it, it's you know good to allow my daughters to date at a young age. That's irrelevant. I should want what's better. For my daughters. In fact, I should want what's best, especially as we're training them, raising them in the teaching and admonition of the Lord to prepare them for marriage. So when we see this principle laid down here in the Old Testament, which, by the way, continues on into the New Testament, the reason why I used the Joseph and Mary illustration earlier, again, when you look at that account, the Old Testament laid this groundwork for that scenario in the New Testament that, uh, again, a, a father was responsible, um, a potential husband, right, again, making vows, and a betrothal period is a vow to both the father and to that soon-to-be husband. In fact, the Old Testament teaches us that if perhaps a father represents his daughter as a virgin, and it's discovered that she's not, even on uh, the wedding night, 
then the father would be the one held responsible if it was hidden from the uh, groom-to-be. And so there would have to be uh, a payment uh, as, as well on behalf of that. And, and so the father carried a responsibility even for his daughter until the point of marriage. So, so one of the things that, that we've been talking about, we've been learning recently in our studies, is based on these things in the scriptures, that where did God remove the patriarchal responsibility? You have any insight on that? Do you see any, any place in scripture where, okay, this no longer is the case. Dad, you can have a seat now and let the smart one, which I'm not disputing that, uh, take the lead and drive the bus now. Dad, you just go have a seat in the back seat. Because, again, after all, the television shows tell us you're a bumbling idiot. What, Allison? What are we going to do with this? What are, what do I, how, do I, how am I supposed to process this as a, as a husband, as a, as a dad? Talk to me. Help me. Yeah. Well, I haven't found it in there where you know, you're released, hmm. so to speak. Um, I would love, if, I, if we're wrong, I'd love for someone sure. to tell yeah. me because I want to know. Yeah. Write us. Um, Let us know. Yeah. So. It, so here again, uh, I'm looking at uh, the responsibility and responsibility in the eyes of God rest with a dad when it comes to his children in this area of preparing them for biblical marriage. I find that. It also rests with the husband in regards to responsibility within the home that if you were to say, for example, practical illustration, and this happens sometimes, we'll, we'll, we'll play out, that maybe you say, for example, yes, we can come over and have dinner with you on Tuesday night, right? And yet maybe you and I haven't talked mm -hmm. and you find out that we have, uh, something on the calendar. Maybe I failed to communicate to you, which is probably more likely the case. But I say, Allison, we need to let them know we're not going to be able to make that. Okay, But I've made a vow. You've made a vow. You've told them you're coming. Mm -hmm. After all, the New Testament reiterates, let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nay, right? But again, explain this principle. Mm -hmm. How does it apply yeah. in our marriage yeah. in that moment? How, yeah. how does it apply? In that case, what I would say is, I'm sorry, my husband's, <laughs> we, we're not going to be able to do that. Right. Um, in, in that case, simple and, understanding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We had conflict in yeah. schedule. Yeah. Um, but I will say, there is freedom in that to, to a point, and it sounds like a blame, hmm. but at the same time, like, I know for me personally, it's easy for, I won't say easy, easier okay. for me to allow you to make a bigger decision because the weight's not on me. Right. You know, that there is something that's, because I don't bear that burden. Right. Because ultimately I do. Yeah. So, so when it goes south. Yeah. I won't say I told you so, but. She uh. won't. <laughs> she won't have to. Because usually I know yeah. she told me so. Yeah. But for those little things, right. that's where I want to. Sure. Assert that, you know, authority, so to speak. Yeah, and that speaks to the very nature of both man and woman. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when we go to the garden and we recognize that uh, this is part of the issue that got us in trouble in the first place, all right, the whole reason Christ had to come, the whole reason why we're celebrating a resurrection Sunday is because we're a bunch of boneheads and we blew it. Yeah. 
We blew it in our roles and we blew it in our responsibilities. We knew better than God's way. We don't want to do it this way. All right? And yet, Adam, who is my federal head and represents me, shirked his responsibility. He did take a seat in the back of the bus. He should have stepped forward taking that responsibility and obeying, thus saith the Lord. And instead he didn't. And look what it led to. And so, again, I don't want to be a hard nose in this. We are people of grace. If anybody should be people of grace, it ought to be God's people. We understand forgiveness. This is why we spoke last week about our marriage tells a story. There's one thing our marriage, Allison, should tell. It should be one of forgiveness. And so, but I have a responsibility to lead my home. I have a responsibility to lead my children. Uh, you have a responsibility as a mother to raise your children, to nurture your children. And one of the things, well, let me ask, what is something that you can do in, in the area of this in preparing our children for biblical marriage? What are some building blocks as a mother that you find in Scripture that you should be doing, that I should be doing? Speak to that. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> to me, prayer and the Word is mm. like, First and foremost, um, you know, just that constantly praying <clears throat> for our children, for us, because mm. um, we know that our marriage is an example to our kids. Um, anyway, well, I know we'll get into boundaries later, but um, <clears throat> that definitely for sure. Um, another big one that I personally strive to do is just have that open line of communication with my kids. Mm-hmm. Just look, no, I've told them nothing is off limits. Right. You know, you can come to me with whatever. It doesn't matter what it is, what you're struggling with, what you've done. I, I want to be the first person. Well, outside of the Lord, right. <laughs> tell him first. But I want to know so that I know better how to help. Um, and that speaks to, again, our last episode, our marriage telling a story. And that story should be the story of the gospel. And when we come to the Lord, we come to the Lord as an open book. He knows all of our sins. He knows all of our shortcomings. He knows all of our flaws. And yet he still wants us to come Mm -hmm. and talk to him. That's how we should be training our children uh, to do this as well. And especially when it comes to the area of their heart and trusting it to someone who we deem a potential mate Mm -hmm. uh, for them. Uh, Why would we not in that area want to freely come uh, and and talk uh, first and foremost to the Lord, but also uh, to a, a parent. So, good. Uh, so, again, these are some of the cultural things that are out there that uh, perhaps can take away from the real meaning. And the what would be the meaning? Why this protective headship? Why uh, don't date until you're ready to have a mate? What's... Why? What's the point? What's the purpose? Yeah. I'm going to take you back, speaking of memories. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got a dog, mm-hmm. the very first dog we had together in our home. Yes. Naomi was oh, her name. Oh, yes. Naomi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Naomi did not want to stay near the house. This is true. We had to get a leash. Mm. And then we finally put up a fence because we didn't like the leash. Right. So there is such a thing as good biblical boundaries. Certainly. 
Yes. Okay. Biblical boundaries. Biblical boundaries. Not the definition we're hearing thrown around today. Yeah, not like you have wronged me, so therefore I've got to protect myself. By building a fence. So to speak. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, veer me back. So, with, <laughs> all right, so with that Naomi, we uh-huh. got a leash, we got a fence. Yeah. Why did you do oh, that? yeah. Because you hate your dog. Absolutely not. I love oh. my dog. Mm. I loved her. It sounded very restrictive, though. A leech and, and a fence. I know. You dog hater. But I loved her. I mm. didn't want no nothing, no person. Mm. Or I didn't want her to do something to herself. True. You know, True. it was all out of love for that little dog. Yeah. And the reality is, we found out after the fact, all right, uh, we were a little late. <laughs> we were late. We came home from church one night, and uh, poor Naomi yeah. was... Been How do I say? Advantage taking advantage of. <laughs> yes. And, um, uh, yeah. Uh, and had nine puppies. Nine puppies. We did not get that nine good boundary up in time. Puppies. <laughs> Consequences. Yeah. yeah. Right? That was rough. Uh, and again, those things weren't being put in place because yeah. we didn't love our pet. Mm-hmm. Right? And these things aren't being said because, oh, well, you just don't love your children. No, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. It's quite the opposite. You know, I've never found myself, uh, Allison's parents live in, in the mountains. Uh, shout out up there in Asheville <laughs> to your parents. And oftentimes we're riding through the, uh, whether it's the Blue Ridge Parkway or someplace up there and scenic route. I've yet to hear anybody say, these blasted guardrails. <laughs> These blasted guardrails, they take away all the fun on this road, said no, no one ever. <laughs> and yet, oftentimes, these biblical boundaries that we are speaking of, uh, we have a culture today that is perceiving it as somehow killjoys or rules and regulations, which, by the way, it's not about rules and regulations. It's about relationships. You love your children. I love my children. I love you. Mm-hmm. And I love you. Well, thank you for saying. <laughs> and because of that, yeah. uh, we believe hearing and heeding, thus saith the Lord, is always going to be best for us in our marriage, in the raising of our children, not what the culture says we should be doing. And again, that's we've not arrived. I've just shared a couple of brief um, boneheaded, which I'm sure I will probably get all kinds of mail on. <laughs> uh, that's just terrible. You're and breaking out all the cool voices today. You like that? I need to work on a couple others. <laughs> but anyway. So, Allison, anything else? <laughs> the only thing I would say is, Happy Easter. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. On behalf of myself, my family, Community Baptist Church, uh, we hope that you have a wonderful day. And remember, we're living stones. Go build something.